0: What if you could make yourself harder to kill, more adaptable? In today's episode, we bring on the founder of Forsigmatic, Sigmatic, author of the brand new book, Healing Adaptogens, Tarot, to discuss adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms. Here we go.
1: Stressors and difficulties in your life. What you want to have is range and adaptability. So to have range or buffer against stressors, but you also want to have range and adaptability to different situations. You're, you're flying and you're, I just had to go to a trip and I'm at airport and there's nothing to eat. You're able to fast without a huge drop in performance because you're metabolically wired certain way, so if you suddenly have to skip a meal you're fine or if you do this and that you would be fine so i think this range anti-fragile adaptability you can put a lot of different stamps and names on it but honestly it's just ability to work in an environment that is changing and sometimes out of your control and you cannot control your environment at all times and instead you got to be strong to kind of weather the storm
0: Hey, Keto Camper. Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I hope you're having an incredible day. Thank you so much for joining us today. Out of all the options out there, you chose us. We are super grateful. In today's episode, you are going to love with Taro from Four Sigmatic, who has a brand new book titled Healing Adaptogens, The Definitive Guide to Using Super Herbs and Mushrooms for Your Body's Restoration and defense, and performance. And I had a pleasure reading this book to prepare for today's interview. I was sent an advanced copy of the book and I loved it. This is right up our alley. If you want to talk about hormesis, which is your body's ability to adapt to a stressor and get stronger, for example, fasting is a hormetic stress. Adaptogenic mushrooms and herbs, hormetic stress. Exercise, cold exposure. So, we're going to get into hormesis and then we'll get into his backstory, (laughs) how he dedicated his life to the research of adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms, how that even happened. I love one of the things he said. And here's the quote We need to become more adaptable and more anti fragile. You're going to really understand what that means. He's going to explain how adaptogenic mushrooms work in your body, this gas break effect. And how that relates to the innate intelligence within your body. And I love this because when we get over when we go over this topic, this is a perfect illustration, an example of your incredible human body. So keep that in mind. Pay attention to that gas break effect of these herbs and mushrooms having things that could pump you up full of energy or calm you down and relax. And your innate intelligence will choose what it uses at that time of taking that mushroom or herb, etc. That's going to blow your mind. We're going to get into, do mushrooms break a fast? You're going to have that question. How to support your fast with different variations of mushrooms? How to get more autophagy through synolytics, How to measure sleep quality? Does lion's mane mushroom help with REM sleep? We'll talk about that. Um, We are doing a current experiment here at my house with my fiance, Natasia, on REM sleep she kind of struggles with REM sleep. She gets a whole bunch of deep sleep. So I'm having her take actually 1,000 milligrams of lion's mane mushroom every night to see if that increases her uh, REM sleep. We only did it last night, so I can't give you the results yet. And so far, it did not increase her REM sleep, but that's just one night. So I'll keep you posted on that. We'll get into cordyceps and VO2 max, ATP, the mitochondria, We'll get into their dual extraction process. And when I say they, I mean 4 Sigmatic of extracting mushrooms. We'll get into lion's mane for memory, polysaccharides for gut and immunity health, and so much more. This is a masterclass on adaptogenic herbs. And what I'd like for you to do is after you finish listening to the interview, the book is out. It's called Healing Adaptogens, and I'll put a link for it down below for you to get it. And if you want to learn more and get the Four Sigmatic products, they have a whole set of different awesome products. I always take it with me when I travel. Go to the link down below and click their, the link and to see more of the Four Sigmatic products they have available for you right now. Just a reminder, every podcast episode here on the KetoCam Podcast is recorded for video format. And we do a cool job with the editing and the timestamps, and it's like a game changer when it comes to video podcasts like you've never seen before. So you could watch every video, or I should say, you could watch every interview you're hearing here on the Keto Camp Podcast on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Camp, with the K. K. We'll drop a link for you down below as well. And we have Rachel, our show notes person, who's putting links and references and timestamps and summaries and captions for everything we discuss on today's episode. That could be found down below. Our show notes are the best in the game. We're super proud of that. Before I bring on Tarot, I want to get to today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review comes from LeJay61. And the title is, I love this podcast. It makes all the technical stuff fun and easy to understand. Ben's guest speakers are are knowledgeable and add another layer of wealth. And you are asking a question in this review, which is awesome. I love that you're asking a question. Here's the question. Can I do keto when I have pancreatitis and have to be on a low-fat diet? How can I enjoy a lower carb lifestyle? I fast 18 to 20 hours a day. I would like to stay in ketosis after my fast. Should I just extend my fast? And then you said, happy birthday. Thank you so much. It was recently my 38th birthday. Uh, Yeah. So let's unpack this real quick. First and foremost, this is not medical advice. Nothing on the KetoCamp podcast is medical advice. It should not substitute medical advice. So work with somebody. But here's what I would do if I had pancreatitis. And it's actually the complete opposite of what conventional medicine would teach you when it comes to pancreatitis. Surprise, surprise, right? Because conventional medicine is actually... You look at what they teach and do the exact opposite and you're going down the right direction. So when we think about... The role of the pancreas, it produces insulin. The beta cells in your pancreas produce insulin which is your uh, an amazing important hormone to take glucose out of the cells or out of the bloodstream, the blood plasma and deliver it to your cells and optimize blood glucose. It also, the pancreas also produces glucagon which opposes insulin and it's a fat burning hormone. For example, during your 18 hour fast that you said you're doing, you are lowering insulin and raising glucagon which, which is great. A lot of people need to do that. There's also enzymes produced and bicarbonates. And the main causes of pancreatitis are cystic fibrosis, gallstones, uh, an autoimmune slash virus uh, sort of impact, excessive alcohol, and excessive high fructose corn syrup. Now, there was uh, a really fascinating study that came out on PubMed that shows a low-carb, high-fat diet actually helps with pancreatic function. And I'll put the study down below, but I'm just going to share a little bit from the study. This was a randomized study for 28 individuals with type 2 diabetes to eat either a diet with 30% of energy from carbs, 30% from protein, or a diet with 50% energy from carbs, 17% energy from protein. And after six weeks, participants crossed over to the other diet. The researchers provided all meals for the course of the study. And yeah, that's a lot of food. The diets were matched for calories and were designed to limit weight loss. Caloric matching eliminates the real-world natural calorie reduction that usually accompanies low-carb diets. And we've seen this in other studies. The low-carb, higher-protein diet actually resulted in significantly improved postprandial, which is after eating... And 24 hour glucose readings. That's important for pancreatic health. And what really stood out in the study is it showed an improvement in pancreatic beta cell sensitivity and function. That is where your pancreas produces insulin. The study concludes that independent of weight loss, a lower carb, higher fat diet improved glucose control, improved insulin sensitivity, improved pancreatic beta cell function, improved satiety, and decreased liver and pancreatic fat. That is exactly what you want to do if you have pancreatitis. So there's some things you can do. I would definitely find ways to support the pancreas, find ways to support the liver and the gallbladder, to support bile function. There's a connection between all these organs. So I personally take systemic formulas, P-pancreas, and then I rotate to ps they're two different bottles. Um, you could find that over at KetoCampSupplements.com. There's other things you can do, but you know, you want to make sure you ease into this. If you're going to increase your fat with pancreatitis, you might want to increase your eating window and decrease your fasting window to have those fats spread over time. Take some digestive enzymes like the ones I mentioned, and it can be done. You know, the main contributor as well, I, I didn't say this. Um, The main contributor to actually pancreatitis is a low-fat diet. Isn't that crazy? It's the complete opposite of what we think. And I know Dr. William Davis in his book, Super Gut, has some more information on this. And I've interviewed him on the show before. So that's a long-winded answer to, I hope, point you in the right direction that it can be done if you want to uh, work with myself and the KetoCam coaches on this. And this goes for anybody looking for coaching on, on any of the things you're dealing with. Then go on Instagram and message me with the word energy. My Instagram handle is at the Benazadi. Message me with the word energy. I'll share a little bit more about our exclusive program, the Keto Camp Academy to see if it's a good fit. And we have coaches on board and I also lead the coaching calls and you get access to our portal. It's uh, the most comprehensive and complete health program you'll ever do. So just message me on Instagram energy, direct message me and I'll give you some details on that. And I also want to say thank you so much for leaving that rating and review. It really helps the show grow. And if anybody else listening right now has not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review, please do so. And if you want to ask a question in your rating and review, like lej 61 just did, do it. I'll answer your question. That's a good incentive for you to leave a rating and review and then ask your question because you'll get your question answered for me directly here On the show. So please do so right now. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into healing adaptogens with Tiro from Four Sigmatic. Tiro is the founder and CEO of Four Sigmatic, a functional foods company that wants to make the world's most studied and nutrient-dense food more delicious and easier to consume to bring healthy upgrades into America's daily routine. Tiro's roots, or mycelium, if you will, are in Finland, where he grew up growing and foraging natural foods on his 13th generation family's farm. He later earned a degree in chemistry, business, and a certificate in plant-based nutrition at Cornell University. In 2012, Tiro founded four-sigmatic with the dream of bringing a little everyday magic to the lives of all. An expert in all things related to nutrition, health, and wellness, T. Rose, the author of two previously best-selling books, Healing Mushrooms and Santa Sold Mushrooms. He was awarded twice as the world's top 50 food activist by the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, and he's appeared in Time Forbes, BuzzFeed, Vogue, Playboy, GQ, Harper's Bazaar, and Bon Appetit. He's a sought-after speaker featured at Summit Series, Wanderlust, WME, IMG, Google, and the Fast Company Innovation Festival. Here is Tiro. Tiro, brother, welcome to the KetoCam podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. We're uh, having a brief conversation before I hit record. Uh, I've been following what you've been doing for several years, a big fan of your research, your company, and now you have a new book, which we'll get into. It's called Healing Adaptogens with your colleague, Danielle Ryan. Uh, I read the book to get ready for this conversation. Your team gave me an advanced copy and I love it. So For those who are listening and watching, we're going to geek out on mushrooms, Hormesis, anti nutrients, the do's and don'ts of mushrooms, and so much more. Before we get there, uh, since this is your first time on my show, uh, I would love for you to share your story and how you even got involved with what you're doing today, Tiro.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm born and raised in Finland. So I'm a 13 generation family farmer. So our family's had us same farms at least since 1619. And me and my brother are 13 generation. And then all kids will be the 14th. My dad is an acronomist, so I got a lot of knowledge about soil, agricultural farming. Um, you know, over 13 generations, we've had all kinds of farming, but when I was a kid, it was mostly oats, uh, mushrooms, berries, and then heirloom cow species. So we would have meat cows, no dairy cows. So fancy old school breeds that had more value and stuff. And then uh, my mom taught physiology and anatomy. So I learned about nutrition from her. I went to myself, study chemistry and nutrition. Uh, I started working with professional athletes, coaching nutrition about 20 years ago. And about 15 years ago, discovered a rare fungi and won this innovation award with my friend. And then about 10 years, I've been running, being the founder and CEO of a company called Four Sigmatic, which is one of the leading kind of mushroom adaptogen brands. And i written a few books before. And uh, yeah, I think that's a short overview.
0: So what what got you excited about mushrooms? I mean, studying health and nutrition, physiology, working with athletes, there's so many different directions you could have went into. You could have went into hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, photobiomodulation, mm-hmm. and all these different amazing things. But what really excited you about mushrooms to dive deep and become known as you know the mushroom guy, if you will?
1: Yeah. I didn't plan that at all. It's not like as a kid, I mean, I enjoyed mushrooms and it was my fa- one of my father's favorite foods and they're very magical and unique and we have a long history with them, but it was not like, oh, I'll be the mushroom guy at all. I actually loved wild berries way more as a kid for many reasons, but um, I think they chose me and that sounds really woo-woo. But a few things to explain my point. One is that my main passion was in optimal human performance, right? So that was what I wanted. It's like for myself and my friend, Is like, how are we smarter, faster, better, live longer? And I was looking at it through this level of systems. So as I studied chemistry and nutrition, you know, there was a lot of focus on macronutrients and increasingly on micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. But I kind of quickly figured out that a lot of the secret sauce is around digestive systems. Um endocrine system, so hormones, and then nervous system and immune system. And wherever I looked, it was always came down to bacteria and fungi. And I felt that those were things that people didn't know almost anything about. I could meet top herbalists that knew so much about plants, but I had no clue about fungi. Or I would meet top health experts and they didn't know about micro or microbiome. And it was just an area where people didn't have knowledge. and. And the more I studied it, I realized that I know nothing. And it's one of those areas in life where the more you study, it just humbles you over and over again. And you start to figure out that we literally don't know much. And to me, that's just intellectually stimulating. And and then later, obviously, after starting to work with them, it's just seeing people have profound effects in their life, like profound. Um, so it's obviously been exciting because I've seen them... Fungi do their magic. So many, uh, with so many millions of people. Honestly, so far.
0: Yeah, it's super cool. It's super cool to see that. And you know, I want my audience to really understand how mushrooms and adaptogenic um, compounds work in the body, right? And you, you mentioned in your book. I actually have this taken from your book for my notes. We need to become more adaptable and more anti-fragile. Like to me, that means that goes along with that hormesis word, which we talk a lot about, about this show. It doesn't kill you, makes you stronger, right? The right dose to make exercise, recovery, you get stronger. So how does this work in reference to taking and using these mushrooms?
1: Yeah, so maybe a backstory will be helpful on the word. It's become very trendy as of late, but I mean, it might be helpful to understand. So a lot of compounds that are considered adaptogens have been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years, but the word itself is about seven years old. It came out of originally Soviet researchers who were trying to find ways how to improve human performance without let down next day, because a lot of the reliance on amphetamines and other performance-enhancing drugs would then hurt you the following day or make you addicted to them. So after tons of studies, they started realizing that there are these compounds that improve performance and recovery without let down, and they were these natural fungi and plants, berries, and roots. and they made three definitions that are fairly simple for something to be an adaptogen. So it sounds like it's easy to be an adaptogen, but in reality, it's very hard to be an adaptogen. So there's only about maybe two dozen of these things so far discovered, and maybe over time we'll discover more. And they all have hundreds of research papers for modern research to back their benefits. So now to answer your question, to be an adaptogen, they need to be safe and non-toxic, and actually a lot of natural substances you need to cycle in and out, including dietary supplements. You need to cycle them in and out, but adaptogens are safe on a daily basis. Well, so is dietary fiber. So there are other things. So then the next rule is that they have to restore balance in body, which is often done through different endocrine system or their circulatory system. So through the systems in the body instead of directly, and then finally, they need to be non-specific. Is where, where a lot of people lose you, lose you is usually a lot of things affect one part of the body versus adaptogens impact multiple parts of the body. So that means that they can be taken before a workout and after a workout, and the effects will be different. So I'll give you a couple actionable insights because otherwise this sounds just all kinds of woo woo and multi-level marketing where they just promise all the health benefits in, in with this one pill. So cordyceps is one adaptogen, and studies, modern studies show that it increases VO2 max, so the maximum oxygen intake, and the other studies show that it increases ATP, which is cellular energy. So assume that you have, let's say, 5 or 10% more oxygen in your body, what will happen in your body then? you will perform better in exercise, that's obvious, but you will actually recover faster as well. You probably sleep better. And by sleeping better, now you created a system where you're more recovered, therefore you have better cognitive function. So you're starting this positive cycle by increasing one of these systems, be it cellular energy, be it energy production in general, and therefore you're benefiting from these. So to answer the question, they have different compounds that we can geek out next that trigger a re- systemic response in a body. And th- they're not like a pr- protein or a fat or a mineral or vitamin, but there are things like polyphenols, or there are things that... Um, think of compounds like caffeine, but non-addictive, like things that improve systems in your body, but in a safe, non-toxic way.
0: Got it. And And just to be clear, so you said... When you take supplements, and this is something that I teach all the time, when you take supplements, we want to rotate them. I always talk about supplement rotation and being really strategic with not taking the same supplement over and over and over. But did you say with adaptogenic herbs, you can take it over for a long period of time without uh, the body kind of adapting to it? Is that what you said? Correct. Interesting. So if it's the same adaptogenic herb that you take for 60 days straight, there are no... Situations where the body will start to adapt, uh, no pun intended, to taking that and get uh, the effect is diminished. That doesn't happen?
1: No. So there are certain benefits in your system, in your body, where you will eventually plateau. But from a point of safety, they're non toxic and you're not going to build a load. But there are obviously like limits to progression. So there's, for example, a famous study on another adaptogen called lion's mane, where People with cognitive, mild cognitive impairment, so people that had issues with their brain function, that did a memory game over 16 weeks. And every week after taking Lion's Mane, their, their performance improved. After 16 weeks, they were given a placebo without them knowing, and their performance dropped. But in this case, for 16 weeks, consistently, their performance improved. But again, I mentioned things like VO2 Max, and there was a point when your millimoles per kiloliter, kilogram is not going to improve anymore. So there will be plateaued benefits, but not a toxic load in a way of like, hey, I'm not, it's not safe to take
0: this anymore. Understood. That makes sense. So with that being said, it would be a good idea to even use these cyclically so your body could get the benefit, get off of it for a little bit, and then get the benefit again when you, when you start taking it again. Maybe switch to different types of adaptogenic uh, compounds.
1: Yeah. And uh, there's grouping. So for example, fungi that these adaptogenic mushrooms contain polysaccharides that improve your gut and immunity. And I recommend that every day for, from here to eternity, you will consume some of these polysaccharides for your gut um, and immunity. That being said, it doesn't need to come from the same thing. So similar think of like chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is amazing and it has all these health benefits, but you don't need to get the chlorophyll always from spinach or you could get it from varied sources, similar to things like if you're a carnivore and you want to consume certain compounds found in meat products, it doesn't mean you consume the same meat product over and over again. So you could rotate within these families, but the safety from a from addictive or toxic load point of view is, is not there. So,
0: Got it. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that's interesting about the cordyceps and the VO2 max ATP production. So with Cordyceps specifically, as it relates to exercise, performance, and recovery, what would be the best time to time that one?
1: So that's actually a, a very interesting point that I don't see a lot of health and wellness people talk about, and especially non-marketers, people who try to market a product. But I think it's a misun- very highly misunderstood is how long do you need to use something to reap benefits? Usually, people who are descriptive want to say, is like, hey, how long should I take creatine? Or how long should I take this and that, right? And the answer often is given something like, oh, it's always like 30 days or this and that. But the reality is that it depends on the desired benefits in your body system. So what I'm saying is, let's say you have cognitive impairment or you have issues with your spine, spine, eyes, brain recover really slowly, like really slowly years. If you have gut issues, if you have autoimmune issues, you might be on for a multi-year healing journey, like multi-year. So if somebody tells you that you can heal, you know, autoimmune thing in a month or so, maybe you'll get relief, but you're not going to heal a gut issue in a month. Like it's literally going to be years. But if you're in a system like your skin, skin heals itself in about 30 days, depending on age and genetics. So if you want to improve your skin, Within a a month, you'll have a completely new skin. So if you have a routine of hydration and this and that for your skin and beauty, you will reap benefits within roughly 30 days. Energy production is pretty instantaneous. So if you want to improve energy, you can achieve benefits that day or in a few days. So back to cordyceps. Cordyceps has fundamentally two kinds of main benefits. There's a third one, which is immunity, but let's just focus on the two. One is energy production, ATP production. You will get those benefits pretty instantaneously. So let's take 30 minutes before workout, roughly. So 30 to 60 minutes pre-workout, you take cordyceps, you will feel energy by just having more efficient energy production in your cells. But VO2 max benefits are slower. So improving the lungs and their performance might take multiple weeks. And you don't need to do that pre-workout. You could take it every morning and you could work out in the afternoon, but you probably have to be more consistent anywhere from two to four to six to eight weeks kind of programs to improve oxygen intake. So every day and week, you'll be slightly better, but it will take you a few weeks to get a noticeable impact on your performance. So, so and this same goes for all the adaptogens. I would ask yourself first, what is the body part or system you're trying to impact How quickly does those cells replenish or how quickly that body system operates? And that will give you an indication on how long you need to be in a certain supplement or adaptogen or whatever routine.
0: Well said. I love that explanation. And you're right, because I always tell people it takes years, not months, to achieve optimal health if you're dealing with, to your point, autoimmune conditions and things like that that took many years to develop. It's not going to happen in thirty days. Not going to happen in sixty days. You will get benefits within that time frame, but in order to actually really overcome that and achieve optimal health, years, not months. And I, I love that you put it in the perspective of what you are trying to achieve, you know, and the innate intelligence. So the innate intelligence is going to whatever the desired effect it's going to use, and this leads me to your gas break effect, which you wrote about in your book which I found very interesting because I really believe in the power of the innate intelligence that is in within our, our bodies that uh, of God put there for us. And it's this inner physician, inner healer, inner chiropractor, health coach. It's like the world's greatest physician that sits within us. And in this gas break effect, you talk about cacao, right? And cacao containing two specific compounds, theobromine and magnesium. And when somebody takes it, Depending on what they need at that moment, whatever the innate intelligence desires, they might extract more of the theobromine or more of the magnesium. Could you explain both those compounds and what's going on with that gas break, break effect?
1: Yeah, theobromine is one of the main compounds found in real chocolate or cacao. It's even named after theobromine cacao. It's Latin name. Theobromine is a sister compound to caffeine. So think of a slightly gentle version of caffeine for, for a simplified explanation. And magnesium being one of the minerals uh, that are critical for our body function, it serves multiple different benefits, but more commonly, I think, especially for modern people living in urban settings, busy lifestyle, the relaxing effects of, of caffeine. So in a way, a lot of people like to think of supplements and diet as uppers and downers, even though in nature, many things are both at the same time, besides Cow, other examples of that could be like green tea, where you have both caffeine, um, chlorophyll, but then you also have L-phanine, which is more of like slightly calm inversion. So that's why some people report, for example, by drinking matcha or green tea, they have more balanced energy because the the plant itself in a whole form has has kind of both the gas and the break. And I think that's just innate intelligence that nature has and Even if you eat the whole plant, let's say I mentioned that my love for wild berries, Um, if you eat wild berries with the leaf, the blood sugar impact, even though in berries, it's much smaller than in fruits and other carbohydrates. But if you eat the green leaf of the wild blueberry, it's even less. So in a way, it's like using the whole version of something you have both offense and defense. And, and that often results into much more balanced energy and much more balanced performance versus the isolated compounds of pretty much anything. So,
0: Interesting. It's so incredible. You're right. The more that I learn as well, the more I'm just humbled and in awe of this incredible human body. It's just so sophisticated beyond comprehension. So that's a great breakdown. And my, my audience, as I mentioned before we hit record, those who are doing keto, these are all keto-friendly. They're not going to you know, jack up glucose and insulin. So if that's a question you were thinking about to the audience, it's keto-friendly. But what about those who are doing carnivore? And I do carnivore from time to time, 30 days, 40 days, nothing long-term. But what about the argument, Tiro, that there's anti-nutrients in plants and chemical compounds that uh, poke holes in your gut, irritate the gut, lead to intestinal permeability? What about that argument that somebody who has severe leaky gut maybe should not be taking these these compounds right now
1: yeah i always thought that was really funny for a lot of reasons and i feel like i've had this like paul Saladino a lot long conversations and people who actually understand nature quickly realize that there's no world where you're not consuming fungi fungi is on your skin and your gut so whatever you eat even if you're pure carnivore you will be consuming fungi not just on you know beer, wine, cheese, bread, pharmaceuticals, but fungi is in air. You're breathing in fungi. If you air dry meat, which I'm sure a lot of carnivores have consumed meat that way, that has fungi. Like you want it or not, you will have fungi in your gut. So to me, these are just like insane thoughts. But the idea of anti-nutrients is real. And the weird thing is, is that is why you're eating them. So there's a concept called xenohormesis, And what that basically means is that plants and fungi, but it's originally made for plants, create these compounds, these anti nutrients or things like polyphenols to protect themselves from stressors, right? Same with the mushrooms. They create certain compounds as a way to protect themselves. And this is true for psychedelics to non psychedelics. And when we ingest them, we get some of those protective mechanisms, but they are like a boot camp for your body. So similarly to exercise. So the exercise, like if you go for a run, actually right after the run, your muscles are weaker than before the run, your cardiovascular system is stressed, and you're actually more prone to illnesses. Your immunity has weakened. It's the supercompensation that happens with recovery and proper nutrition post-workout that makes you a better, higher baseline. And xenohormesis kind of says is like, that is the why you consume plants, and fungi also, and you just need to know is where's your starting point? Because like, if you're really not in good shape, you shouldn't work out like an Olympic athlete. Let's just start there. You probably start by walking, you start by like proper um, calisthenics or body weight exercises, things like that. So let's just accept the fact that like, not everybody trains the same way, you need to know what's your starting point. But the fact that let's say deadlift is used by pretty much all professional athletes and you are not able to perform deadlift because you're in such bad shape with the proper form or squat. Let's take even a better example, back squat. Back squat is universally is one of the best exercises one can do for various reasons, but you can't accept ex- you, your ankle mobility is not good enough. Your you know, your bone density is not good enough to do it properly weighted doesn't mean it's a bad exercise. So you got to first, fix your gut. And for that, carnivore is a great launch point. But as you probably known, eventually probably going to need other forms of carbohydrates. On top of it, you're going to need to make yourself anti-fragile. You need to make yourself your gut. You could eat the worst weed and you'll be fine. And to get to that point is actually a much better indication of health. And I can talk about the science, how that works. But I think anecdotally, think of like a surfer who like eats pizza and pasta all the time and doesn't care about health foods. And then you go to health food conference where everybody's obsessed with health. But the reality is that surfer is probably much more of a beacon of health. It's in vibrancy, is has higher ability to reproduce, like sexual health is higher. So there's a lot of these indications that where actually people who eat slightly less healthy are healthier because their body has been taught to resist it. Now there's a balance to everything. And when you would introduce plants, you wouldn't just introduce any plants. You would introduce very specific plants. And if you would introduce, let's say, I don't eat a lot of grains, but if I would eat grains, like there would be fermentation or soaking or cooking, you know, that would be made to remove those anti nutrients. Like if you want spinach, maybe you want to cook it, you know, things like that. If you want vegetables or, you know, plants, maybe fermenting them like sauerkraut or you know, kimchi or things like that that are pickling that are ways to improve their bioavailability. So I would never throw any food group under the bus just because an individual is not able to consume them today, but quality and preparation and individual needs are a factor if and when you can consume them. And with these adaptogens, they're pretty much there's no calories on almost any of them, just minor. They're like, be it like minor fatty acids and minor fibers but things like turmeric like they are the xenohormesis you know, is really the turmeric curcumin is actually a stressor to your body combine that with black pepper piperine, and they together push your body like a workout internally and then after it your baseline is better and your inflammation goes down and your gut is better so it's it's a good thing to know, but not to fear, just to be mindful of it and adjust to your current level, particularly your digestive tract.
0: You explained that very well. I'm on the same page of what you just shared, and that's exactly what I share. And I've had this conversation with Paul uh, Saladino as well a couple of times. It's xenohormesis. It's a, po- it's a stress to your body that you explain your body adapts to. and I love the comparison between somebody who is a couch potato that wants to go work out. They wouldn't just go into a marathon or a CrossFit workout. They would start to train, right? So maybe right now, if you have really a severe autoimmune disease or severe leaky gut and your gut is really compromised, doing some carnivore for 30, 60 days, a short period of time, as you work on your gut and do things to get to the root cause of what caused it, and then you start to put the training wheels on, right? You start to work on ankle mobility. So you start to maybe have like and avocado. Maybe you have some reishi mushroom. Maybe you have something and see how your body responds. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised, to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance, Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Here's how you know if your gut is severely disrupted. I mean, you eat food, post-nasal drip, joint pain, maybe you get dyes in your eyes from like too many oxalates. I mean, you, you know if your gut is compromised, you have uh, indigestion, acid reflux, protein sits in your gut. So work on that gut, but we don't run away from plants. We don't run away from these compounds because, like to your point, we've been having them forever. Like This is not something you just run away from. Carnivore is a short-term tool as you work on your gut and then reintroduce them back in. Here's how I coach people on how to reintroduce it back in, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Let's say somebody has done carnivore for 60 days. They did some things to maybe bring candida down, introduce healthy bacteria like probiotics, and now they're ready to bring in some plants. I always tell them to introduce one non-carnivore food at a time for four days and see how their body responds. And then if their body responds well, meaning no symptoms started up in four days, a second one, and then a third one after that eight days, et cetera. Because what I've seen is that a symptom can manifest three or four days later after they actually consume that plant toxin. So what do you think of that process of kind of getting yourself into that world of plants?
1: It's literally the only way to be certain. There's other ways to do it, but to be certain, it both elimination and reintroduction is one plan at a time. And honestly, it gives you time to adjust and become stronger. I don't know if it's three days, if it's a week, that might be individual and the volumes you eat, how much you're eating, let's say that avocado at a time. But I think once you get better at recognizing your body, you also start to spot symptoms when they're subtle. So I think the more you've done intuitive eating, which is such a buzzword, but the idea of like, just kind of listening to your body. The other way that I like to do it is try introducing these things on an empty stomach. So let's say you're introducing a new whatever is try to do it on your first meal, whenever that is, because then you're probably more sensitive. So your body, if it doesn't like it, then you'll probably get a faster feedback loop. Uh, But I like the idea and literally the only way to know for sure is this gradual one at a time progression. So I completely agree with you.
0: And it takes some time, but it's it's so worth it. I mean, carnivore is essentially an elimination diet. The one thing I would say is that I would tune into cultures around the world to
1: look at preparation pretty seriously. So it's uncommon that herbalists anywhere in the world would have consumed a single herb. They usually combine three to five things where there's a main herb, a supporting herb, and a balancing herb. So where main herb is trying to solve problem A, one, and then the other one would be like the same problem, but from a different angle. And the other things aid with digestion. So I would, if you introduce stuff, I would consider things like black pepper and lemon and things that are more digestive for what are you're consuming so if you're introducing you know avocado maybe it could be avocado with spices or you know like adding things that are supportive of whatever you're eating and there's a lot of tips you can get from different cultures how they're prepared like you know garlic with, Sauteed spinach and olive oil, or whatever it is, but like find those tips because sometimes one plus one is three from an absorption and digestive
0: part. Yeah, well said. Have you had this conversation with uh, Dr. Paul Saladino?
1: Yeah, we we had this short conversation when he was pure carnivore. At uh I was doing a podcast with Kyle Clainsbury, and we had a good chat. And and I'm, he's super smart, and he knew that fungi are part of. Drying meats and and they're part of our gut. And and it sounds like he's also had this epiphany. And I I salute him a lot on having something that works for you for a while, is being able to also know if it stops working for you. Like I've seen this a lot uh, that people get massive health benefits from a set diet at first for anywhere from. 30 to 180 days, anywhere from vegan to carnivore. And there's a certain thing happening in your body, be detoxification and this and gut or gut health. And then it stops working. So definitely tracking vitals like sleep quality, sexual health, skin as like indicators that something is wrong or not right. So I think, I believe in his case, it was like after a certain while, sleep quality, exercise and recovery from exercise and uh, libido was sacrificed. And then introducing fruit, I guess, pre-post exercise for small amounts was was helpful. And I think everybody has their own journey, but I would never throw a whole food group under the bus, especially things that like bacteria and fungi that we cannot live without. If you want it or not, they're going to be part of your life one way or the other. So making sure you have good bacteria and good fungi in your gut particularly.
0: That's good. And I I agree. I mean, we're on the same page in many, many ways. Even with keto, a big mistake. People stick with ketosis long-term and that's not what we teach. My book is called Keto Flex because I talk about going in and out of ketosis, keto flexing. When we look back at ancient culture, that's what our ancestors did. Like, yeah, they ate meat from a period of time. They were in ketosis because they fasted, but sometimes they were vegan. Sometimes they... Varied their nutrition, they varied their diet. My mentor, Dr. Pompa, calls it diet variation. And that's where the magic is. The magic is not in staying with one diet long term. None of our ancestors did that. I
1: couldn't agree more. And I would also look at it this way is like, it's similar link with the, the concept of adaptogens, is that like, you will face stressors and difficulties in your life. And if you're a hunter gatherer, if you're a modern person, but what you want to have is range and adaptability. So to have range or buffer against stressors, but you also want to have range and adaptability to different situations. You're you're flying, and you're I just had to go to a trip, and I'm at airport, and there's nothing to eat. You're able to fast without a huge drop in performance because you're metabolically wired certain way. So if you suddenly have to skip a meal, you're fine. Or if you do this and that, you'll be fine. So. I think this range, anti-fragile, adaptability, you can put a lot of different stamps and names on it. But honestly, it's just ability to work in an environment that is changing and sometimes out of your control. And you cannot control your environment at all times. And instead, you got to be strong to kind of weather the storm.
0: Well said. Speaking of stressors and a positive stressor, fasting, right? I love fasting, but... The question that my audience is asking is, hey, if I put mushrooms in my coffee, if I put Four Sigmatic, whatever it is, mushrooms in my coffee, if I have these mushrooms in a fasted state, is that going to break my fast? That's a question I get all the time, but I want to hear your answer.
1: <laughs> so I find also this funny because fasting is depends who defines fasting. There's fasting of certain foods in a way carnivore is a fast of plants. There's fast that that involve coffee and tea. There's water fast. There's even fast with no water. So what is the fast? So water fasting, does it break a water fast? So I would say this way is if you want to do a pure fast and it's a water fast, then you're giving your liver a full break and like you're processing nothing, then you should just consume water. Like people always like, I find people like, oh, I can have a little bit of green tea. Yes, it will not have an impact on green tea or black coffee or mushroom coffee, if you drink mushroom coffee black, will not have, like if you do a continuous glucose monitor, you're not gonna see anything out of it. But if you're still having to process some of the compounds found in coffee or green tea, ECG and stuff like that. So I guess where you draw the line, are you using fasting for glucose purposes and to starve your body, kind of like cleansing out certain cells in that case? you're absolutely fine to consume mushrooms and extracts and adaptogens with your coffee or tea but if you're going for a water fast it will not spike your insulin but it, you should just do water fast so i would kind of pick a lane either way and then live with it but the caloric impact is basically none and it will not have an impact on your blood sugar but it will have it will be one more thing your body has to still digest even though it doesn't really
0: contain calories. That's exactly the way that I would explain it. What is your goal first and foremost? Are you doing fasting to lower insulin, lower glucose to reverse type 2 diabetes insulin resistance? If that's the primary goal, then having something like mushrooms and coffee during your fasting window, totally fine. Because as you mentioned, it's not going to spike glucose and insulin. It's going to help you drop those levels. It's a great crutch, if you will. If your goal is to really maximize the autophagy, the apoptosis, the innate intelligence just doing its thing during a fast, uh, just water. Let the innate intelligence do its thing. So, what is your goal? And you know, speaking of autophagy, which has kind of like been like a buzzword nowadays, isn't it? What are your favorite herbs or mushrooms or synolytics that help to actually increase autophagy? Uh, any that come to mind for you?
1: Yeah, I've uh, I've used just a con, um, concept. I think supplements and pharmaceuticals are nice tools. So if you're on a biohacker, it's good to have a tool. I have a tool shed at my house. There's tools that I use. They make job easier. But fundamentally, you should know that you don't need any of these. Like you can absolutely achieve that same goal by just fasting. Like you can and maybe some of those mTOR stuff take a little longer but like you don't need these. And I've used rapamycin. There is wheat germ-based products that have shown to do that. Um, so supplements, spermidine is, an, is one that achieved it. And it's actually, although their spermidine is kind of a brand name that they've done studies, you can achieve those same things because it is a wheat germ, similar with these polysaccharides, very similar to fungi. So actually like consuming these reishi extracts does very similar things as spermidine, although like there isn't like similar branded marketing content around it. So I I think we'll see a lot of studies come out of that because it's kind of a trending and the longevity funding is is pretty good. And it didn't exist even three, four, five years ago. It's fairly recent. So I'm excited to see more research come out. But in, in concept, what you get with spermidine and rapamycin, you can get with top mushroom extracts.
0: Interesting. Yeah, well said. I mean, we could get all this for free with fasting. All right? But if you want to be a biohacker and you know, use some of your budget, uh, these are some great tools. So spermidine, rapamycin, reishi. I've even experimented uh, with oxaloacetate. Um, and I've interviewed Alan Cash about that. That could be something else you throw in there. What about things like um, green tea and resveratrol? Would you consider those as well? synolytics? Yeah, so
1: huge fan of green tea, along with things like lemon, the most studied natural products for human health. So um, I guess technically tobacco and marijuana have the most studies, but out of like non-intoxicated, green tea is probably the most studied food in the world for health purposes. And there's obviously a lot of reasons there. I mentioned besides caffeine, L-theanine, chlorophyll, the DCs, uh, the catechins and their impact for cellular energy. I used to be on a huge matcha kick. Now, lately, just been taking the supplement. So I actually think it's... it's. I don't think it's a top five supplement for anyone. For some, it might be a top 10. But I think for everybody, it should be some sort of green tea or green tea supplement. I think it's a top 20 supplement for pretty much everyone. I think it's very versatile, very safe, very effective. Resveratrol, I think, is a little trickier. The compound itself is very interesting. I think it's somewhat too marketed, like not to say that it doesn't work and not to say that it's not good, but it has a lot of lobbying, particularly from the wine industry and the similar to what happened with milk chocolate and like a lot of the cacao studies were originally made or promoted by chocolate companies. Good news is raw cacao is really healthy, but there was a little bit of lobbying. And similarly, I think wine companies are trying to make respiratory do that, and uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about some of these supplements. But I, I think more generally, you should look at particularly berry and grape-based polyphenols and compounds have arguably one of the best things for longevity. And I think Rest Virtual, if you have the budget and you want to geek out, I would say it's probably like a top 40, top 50 supplement for a lot of people, especially if you have a big focus on longevity. But I would say like the, it's only in the case that you have a lot of budget and instead I would look at um, learning how to forage wild berries um, and consuming them and if you want to consume it through a wine format, I would look at like things like port wine and like more kind of ancient forms of wine that are maybe potentially more richer but uh, first virtual itself, the studies are very exciting. I just don't know if, if it's translated into real benefits through supplements, and I, besides myself, with a lot of clients over the years, people have poured thousands of dollars into Rest Virtual, and I I rarely hear anybody document any known benefits, so I think the jury's still out there, but some of the studies look promising, I just don't know if it's applicable um, due to supplementation.
0: Hey, Keto Camper, what if there was an easy way to help detoxify your body, ease stress, unwind, and hey, even burn more calories. What I'm talking about is sauna usage. Now, there's a lot of studies that show the benefits of using a sauna, and it could be kind of complicated because they're expensive, and typically you have to go to a facility to use a sauna. What I love about my sauna is that it's a blanket that I use at the comfort of my own home. I use the one from Bond Charge. And sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise So you burn calories while you're relaxing and you could burn up to 600 calories in one session. Sweating also helps flush out toxins like heavy metals from your body and elevating your heart rate while relaxing releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric. I feel like I just got a 60-minute massage when I get out of this thing. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also don't need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. It's very easy to use. You can enjoy a session of 30 to 45 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, or meditating. It's easy to clean. It's low EMF, especially compared to other brands out there. Simple and easy to get set up. And even more important, you, Keto Camper, are offered a nice coupon code for Bond Charge's products, including their infrared sauna blanket. So head over to bonchargecom slash KetoCamp and use the coupon code KetoCamp at checkout to get 15% off your order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code in the podcast notes. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. I want to transition the conversation into sleep. You know, sleep is one of those things that you can't skip. It's foundational, right? It's one of those foundational pillars to health. For example, my fiance, we both have the aura rinks, are always like geeking out, tracking HRV and REM and deep. My fiance gets a lot of deep sleep. Like I'm talking about Tiro three to four hours a night. <laughs> and her HRV is insanely high, around 160, which is she's not even a professional athlete, right? And she gets uh, not enough REM sleep, I should say. She gets like 40 minutes. So there's, she needs, you know, balance that out. For me, I kind of get an hour and 45 to two hours of each. So it's kind of balanced, but I would like to increase both of those numbers. So the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I know that there's different benefits to REM versus deep, and they're both really important. What are some of these mushrooms, these adaptogens that we can take to increase REM and then some that we could take to increase deep sleep?
1: Yeah. I'm more like your, um, your partner, I, I don't get do quite as much as she does, but I usually get about two and a half hours of deep. Uh, my HRV regularly hits two hundred at night. I, I have a, a friend of mine you might know him, David Nurse. He is always sending his HRV records because he's trying to beat me on, or he's very competitive. Um, <laughs> but um, that's great. So let me just premise first by like we have no clue. Like let's just start like look at real honest here is we have or we have clues maybe maybe that's a better way to say yeah. it. we do not know yeah. like sleep and particularly like the endocrine system and circuit there's a lot of sleep studies but it's such a complicated matter and particularly like lifestyle and we have some things that we know and work like the clues but like there's a lot we don't know and particularly about brain waves and You know we're still in the absolute infancy of brainwave research, and like I, it's quite exciting actually to me what we will discover in the next one or two decades about brainwave activity and the impact of that. And um, but to to answer your question of what can you do, mushrooms and adaptogens, I'd say with all these adaptogens, whatever you're looking like sports performance, libido, and you know sleep. There tends to be two kinds of adaptogens for each group. Ones that impact the specific issue, let's say libido, there are certain adaptogens that are specifically libido-based and they're just going to boost reproductive system. Then there's adaptogens that impact the mind. It's like a mucuna that has a precursor of dopamine, L-dopa. And by having mind and calm and you're in good mood, you perform better in bed. So similarly with sleep, there are items, things you could take that are more specific to sleep, Rishi mushroom, ashwagandha would be the two, some of the more famous ones. But then there's also adaptogens that particularly impact, again, your mood and stress levels. And through that systematic stress reduction, um, you're more likely to sleep deeper. But to answer, if you're looking for more deep sleep, the best results I've heard and seen has been with reishi mushroom number one, Ashwakanda number two. So um, there's fun stacks, including adding things like L-theanine, L-tryptophan. There's like these things you could take. Some people love the the herbals, the lemon balms, the blue spirulinas, the, the magnesiums, and you can build all kinds of stacks. But from the adaptogen side, reishi one, ashwakanda two.
0: Interesting. Okay, what about for for REM sleep? Uh, anything that you've seen help increase that? Lion's mane, I think I've I've heard about.
1: Yeah, that's the one I hear the most. I I haven't for this book. We went through like thousand research papers, so I didn't see much there. And I think it's lion's mane, but seems to be like there's something about the nervous system and the REM sleep that I think we've yet to discover. So maybe that's like a touch point that hopefully more research will come in, but like the linkage between REM and nervous system. So you can even probably imagine like, let's say you work out really hard and you're super tired and you want to go to bed, but you did a workout, You maybe you did a plyometric workout and you sprinted or you did a new exercise with new movement. You can't sleep because you have this kind of like shaky nervous system tiredness, right? So so physically, you're like exhausted, but you have this nervous system tiredness. And I think for that, Lion's main is interesting. But
0: That's how I felt. That's how I felt last night. I went to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers and concert and I got home at like 1230 and I was like so jacked up. I should have used some Lion's Mane last night. Yeah, so Lion's Mane, but
1: definitely I would look into um, breath work. I use a nail bed and that kind of releases a lot of that stress that if I get it from late evening emails or something happening. So I use basically like acupressure, intense like actual nails, but like acupressure to release that. But those are two kinds of different types of tired. You know, one is like a very much like, hey, I'm physically tired. And, And then the other one is like, this like nervous shakiness that you've been like stimulated too late. And I think light, obviously, like blue light is one of those factors that can compile with it. But I believe it's a lot around stimulation and sleep hygiene around night.
0: Yeah, that's good. I like that. Uh, great suggestions. Uh, great breath work, nail bed. I have one of those mats. It's it's inspiring me to use it again. Um, I want to. I'm going to experiment with my with Natasha, my fiance. Right, she's getting about I think about 40 minutes of REM on average. I'm going to give her some lion's mane before bed. So you tell me how, what's the best way to kind of experiment with my fiance here. Should I do it seven days in a row? How much should I give her? Like, what are what are some things I should do with her?
1: A lot of these studies are based on weight. So, like, you compare a certain dose to the body weight. And I, but in general, I would say, like, you start with about 500 milligrams of lion's mane extract. In that case, if she has a REM sleep, depending how sensitive she is, maybe you would combine that with, you know, cacao, with reishi or something like that. So, combine the, the lion's mane with the cacao reishi type of product. But if you straight up just want to do a pure ex- experiment and, and hack, then 500 milligrams at night. Vitamin C does enhance absorption. So maybe having squeezing a little bit of lemon or having, you know, acerola powder or some high vitamin C powder to go with the lion's mane could also be helpful. And then there's other kinds of stacks, like I mentioned, like it never ends. If you want to tweak it, but maybe for initially just to keep it simple and pure, is the vitamin C and lion's mane, or or reishi cacao and lion's mane.
0: Awesome, that's helpful. I'll let you know how it goes. I think I'm gonna just start with seven days of 500 milligrams of the lion's mane, just to like isolate that one thing, see what happens, and then I'll I might add the other stuff. So thank you for that.
1: But I would say then nervous system is quite complicated. So I said like we're early innings in brain research. It might be even earlier innings with nervous system and like the impact of how our nervous system. So if the body has 11 main systems, like we're very familiar with the muscular system. We're fairly good with the circulatory system. We're good with the, the skeletal system. But but like I think the nervous systems and the digestive systems are those areas where we're like a little behind. And uh, I think another area where I'm excited to see what the future research holds.
0: Me too. I am as well. Two more quick questions before we wrap up this interview. We have just a few minutes left. This has been fantastic. One question here is, how do we relate taking adaptogens for longevity, specifically with with superoxide dismutase? Like, Could you unpack that real quick and how actually these mushrooms could potentially be helping with um, longevity in that aspect?
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's two answers to that. One is that a healthy body is more likely to be a body that lives a long time. So generally avoiding illness, immunity, gut health, you know, oxygen intake, all these things are ways how you can protect your body and in the long run. But the other answer is is again, nobody fully knows how we age, but there's few common kind of schools of thought of aging. One of them is around particularly oxidization. And for that reason, these strong antioxidants, particularly seems to be like these black antioxidants, black sesame seeds, dark cacao, coffee, um, black olives, chaga, tend to be like particularly good for, for longevity. And, and chaga is an adaptogenic fungi that has very high amounts of the dismutase that seems to be really helpful for that. How does it do it? Is it lowering inflammation or is it other ways? I think that's where you know we don't fully know, but large amounts of particularly black these antioxidants seem to be amazing for longevity. And, and there's a lot of the stories of people who've lived a hundred years and they ate dark chocolate or they had black sesame seeds or in Russia that chocolate consumption and suddenly they lived a really long time.
0: Fascinating, yeah, I would hypothesize that a big part of what's happening with this with the superoxide superoxide dismutase, uh, especially like in chaga, is the mitochondrial benefits that that it does for the for the mitochondria. And we know that how important is the mitochondria for health. Pretty much, most diseases out there are linked to this mitochondrial dysfunction. So I I, I would I would hypothesize that the SOD is doing some great things for the mitochondria.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's like cellular health is like. I don't know if it's the answer to every question, but it's the answer to a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, it sure is. Uh, And the final question uh, I'm going to ask you is, I'm I'm really huge on what I call vitamin G. I believe vitamin G is actually more powerful than adaptogenic herbs. Don't take offense to that. But vitamin G is gratitude, right? It's putting your body in a grateful state. So my question to you is, what are you grateful for today, Tiro?
1: Before I answer that, I want to say I've wholeheartedly agree. I have this thing I've been saying for 15 years that I partly learned from my mom is that the rule of three is like, hey, you can be three weeks without eating. You can be three days without drinking water. You can be about three minutes without breathing. This is the last part what I added to my mom's thing was is that you can now even be three seconds without thinking. So the more you consume something, the bigger systematic impact it has. So in a way, Hydration is more important than food. Um, you could fast a long time. And then, in a way, breathing is more important than hydration. And they know, finally, the black belt is your mind. And gratitude is obviously one of the tools of the black belts. Today, I'm super grateful for um, my son, who's a year and a half now. We're, we're about to have our second kid. And there's just something that happens when kids learn how to speak and walk and I bet they observed the world in many ways, but now they can start to communicate to you and he starts speaking words and saying things. So whatever is happening in my life, when he comes to me or he sees a lion and he goes, or, you know, or whatever, it's so amazing. And it's it's a true testament to also evolution and how quickly we adapt and learn, but just brings me so much joy and gratitude to my life. And uh, it's, it's a real blessing every day to play with him.
0: It's beautiful. Yeah, I could, I could just feel how grateful you are about your son and what you just shared. And I love what you shared about, you know, the mind being the black belt. Talk about it all the time. We know we have sixty thousand thoughts per day, and gratitude is a great way to shift things in the, in the direction we want. What we appreciate appreciates. It's a fact. It's a universal law. So your book is called Healing Adaptogens, The Definitive Guide to Using Super Herbs and Mushrooms for Your Body's Restoration, Defense, and Performance. Where is the best place for them to get the book, Tira?
1: It's sold wherever books are sold. any bookstore, hopefully. Um, but I mean, a lot of people buy it on Amazon. So um, Amazon or your favorite bookstore.
0: Awesome. And we'll put a link for different resources to get the book, different venues to get the book. And then if you want to check out Four Sigmatic, um, I use them all the time. I, I especially use your company Four Sigmatic when I'm traveling and I don't want to get uh, pesticide-laden coffee from Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. Like I'll bring these packets and I'll go to Starbucks and I'll just get hot water and add the packets of Four Sigmatic. That's like my travel hack. We'll drop a link for Four Sigmatic down below and we'll put all the notes down below. Where else would you like for them to check you out? Anywhere on social media?
1: Yeah, I am um, not active on social media, but you can find me at I am Tero, T-E-R-O at Instagram. And I post photos of my life and sometimes helpful content around health and wellness. But if you want health and wellness, for Sigmatic follow. And then if you wanna follow a life of a, a food entrepreneur and, and his family, then
0: I am tarot. Awesome. We'll put both of those down below. Uh, Go follow them. And uh, Tero, I'm grateful for the conversation. I'm grateful for you, all your research, your work, your book, your company, and thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks. My honor. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tero. Please consider sharing this with a friend and leaving the show a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening from. Go get Tiro's book, Healing Adaptogens. We'll drop a link down below. Go check out Four Sigmatic. We'll drop a link down below. And if you want to watch the video format of today's interview with Tiro and myself, head over to YouTube, youtube.com slash KetoCamp. We have it for you on our channel. Message me on Instagram at thebenazadi is my handle with the word energy. Direct message me with the word energy. If you want to learn more about our Keto Camp Academy and potentially get coaching from me and the three health coaches we have on our team, Coach Becky, Coach Alina, and Coach Jonathan, we'd love to have you and see if it's a good fit. Message me energy on Instagram. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I will see you on the next one.